Thanks for coming today. Has everyone got a kind of disciplinary uh, paddle pop stick? I think I think you all have. That's that's really good. Um, so uh, welcome. Um, I'm Joe Hawkins. I'm from the UWA Innovation Quarter, and, and welcome to our monthly meetup today. Um, and I was thinking about this event today because I always look forward to this event every month, actually, because I think for me it's a chance to get some really, um, you know, interesting thinkers in the room um, along with a, a group of people really interested in particular topics to kind of unpack those topics and really, I think, to elevate that discussion around research enterprise and impact um, and kind of learn together. And I'm so glad and it's, it's so great to see, I think this is our um, third event, and to see familiar faces coming back every month. So that, that's absolutely fantastic. Um, today we're going to be talking about this radical kind of form of collaboration. And of course, in universities throughout the world, we work in different disciplines. Um, and I think, and, and each discipline represents a specialised kind of branch of human knowledge. And of course, during the 20th century, um, with this expansion of human knowledge, this number of disciplines also expanded. And, and of course, I think we all understand that there's a really great benefit to be had by being an expert in a, in a specific field. But of course, as um, when we're facing complex social and economic and environmental questions, sometimes um, they transcend the, the limitations of, of a discipline. So I'm really glad to welcome the Biozone here today who are working together from lots of different disciplines um, in brand new ways, and, and it's really, really exciting. Um, and I'd like to introduce our guest moderator today, um, who is uh, Associate Professor Kevin Flager. Now, Kevin's the Head of Molecular Endocrinology and Pharmacology at Harry Perkins. He's a real leader in industry engagement. He's the Chief Scientific Advisor of uh, Dimerics Limited, which is an, AXS, a, an ASX-listed UWA spin-out company. Um, and so he works to commercialise uh, research um, from his lab. But more than that, and, and you know, Kevin's won lo loads of awards and I'm not going to list them all here, but more than that, he's extremely generous and a, a very generous scholar. And I think for me, um, he's the president of the UWA Researchers Association and he embodies these kind of values like openness and risk-taking and collaboration that I think really adds so much value to our culture of innovation. And then he introduced me to the Biozone. So we've got a whole group of these people who think in this same way, and it's really exciting. Um, and so I'm going to leave it there. And, just, and Kevin, you can introduce the rest of um, yeah, your collaborators. And I hope you enjoy the discussion today. Okay, thank you very much, Joe, and uh, welcome. And as Joe very kindly said, this, this is the Biozone, and this is only a selection of them. The group is much larger. And we all think in a very similar way. And I think that message will come through this concept of intellectual philanthropy almost, that it's about putting yourself um, out there and doing things that you couldn't do by yourself. And sometimes you may not get immediate benefit from that, but uh, you will do in the long term. So that theme will come through. So I'd like to introduce the people with me. So starting with Associate Professor Jane Pillow. Uh, Jane is co-director of the NHMRC Centre of Research Excellence, founding director of the UWA Preclinical Intensive Care Research Unit, NHMRC Senior Research Fellow and a consultant neonatologist. So uh, a lot of uh, strings to your bow and an amazing researcher, both clinical and basic. So uh, welcome, Jane. Uh, Brendan Kennedy here is um, he's head of the Bioimaging Research and Innovation for Translational Engineering Lab. So he calls that Bright Lab because it's a lot easier to say. And uh, he's at Harry Perkins, but also at the School of Electrical, Electronic and Computer Engineering. And in fact, something that's come out of the bio, come out of the bio zone already is this amazing interaction between engineering and medicine and uh, this wonderful collaboration across the university. So that's fantastic already. Um, Jenny Roger, who's next to me here. It's from the UWA School of Animal Biology. Jane is a senior research fellow in experimental and regenerative neurosciences and is doing amazing research to treat neurological conditions such as Parkinson's, depression and schizophrenia. So that's just a, a subset of us. The group is much larger. There's a core of about 11 of us now and much larger group beyond that and uh, hopefully will be expanding. So I'll touch more about the biozone uh, later, but firstly... We're all here today to talk about convergent research. So to solve complex problems, do we need to look beyond disciplinary boundaries? And firstly, what is convergent research? Jane, would you like to start with that? Yeah, so I mean, it's 
great topic and I think there are three important things that I really want to get across here. So firstly what, what it is and that, that is um, it's a completely new way, it's the new science I guess of the 21st century in terms of the way we approach the science we're doing. So getting out of our traditional one unit research um, groups and trying to interact much more uh, interactively within the group. And the, when we're talking about convergent science, or uh, it, it's not just sciences. So yes, it is involving the traditional sort of STEM type units, uh, but it's also extending to involve the humanities, uh, the arts, the laws, the behavioral sciences, social sciences, etc., as well as uh, some uh, integration across the government industry philanthropy um, kind of network and then some vertical integration across all streams of um, levels of expertise I guess in the science that we do. So the idea is to really bring together people from very diverse backgrounds, very diverse experiences to solve problem problems. Absolutely. Yeah and, and it's about it's about how can we innovate, how can we um, extend what we do how can we actually answer big questions? I mean, we're talking about large questions that can't be solved by a single person. So this is, this is what Convergence is all, all about. I mean, it's not for everybody, but it is something that we need to be thinking about. So in terms of expertise, I mean, Brendan, would you like to touch on some of the kind of the research you can do in this, in this area? Sure. So um, one particular example uh, that pertains to my research is related to medical devices. Um, to, there's a, a group in, in engineering and physics as well that have been developing this particular medical device for many years. A more uh, commercial version of this for ophthalmology has been used for 10 or 15 years. And those two, two kind of very separate things were running in parallel for a long time. This kind of convergent approach has allowed us to kind of cross over. So the ophthalmologists who use this technique or this device every day didn't realize the engineering possibilities. The engineers who are developing these systems didn't think that they could really contribute to ophthalmology because it was already done. So um, really the biozone has allowed us to kind of come together, see what we can do to complement each other um, and really kind of push forwards to get, um, to get new outcomes, um, particularly in this case in, in remote and Aboriginal communities. So for me that's pretty exciting because it's something that wouldn't have happened without this convergent approach. So that's a, a already an example of uh, the approach. It's, it's kind of getting there towards convergent science is all about. Convergent science is about transdisciplinary collaboration. So some of you may not really understand what that, that means. And people often say they're doing transdisciplinary research when actually what they're doing is multidisciplinary or perhaps interdisciplinary research. So I think it's really important that we start out understanding exactly what we're talking about. So we've all sort of grown up or been taught, or the older ones amongst us have been, hopefully the young guys haven't been set in that path yet, but where you, you kind of developed your own lab and that was kind of very unitary research or unidisciplinary research. Then um, the NH and MRC and ARCs encourage us to collaborate. So people start doing multidisciplinary research, but usually within their own general area of science. So that would be the biologist collaborating with the anatomist, collaborating with the physiologist, um, but usually led by one person who just thinks they need to pick off different bits of expertise. Then you get to interdisciplinary research where you're starting to recognise that actually your project would be enhanced if you pulled in some expertise that is out of your immediate field. So that might, in the university sense, be like crossing our faculty boundaries. God forbid that we should do that, but this is the culture that, um, that interdisciplinary research is all about. It. Again, though, it's usually led by one or two people having the idea and then saying, okay, to get this grant or to get this research up and running, I need to pick off somebody from engineering with the expertise I want and somebody from science and somebody from medicine and let's get them all in together with my idea and work out how we can use their skills to solve my idea. Transdisciplinary research really works on yet another level and this is, I think, the most exciting level to be at because you come together because you've got a common interest in solving problems or perhaps just participating in some really exciting science or stimulating science so it's it's something not immediately relevant to your own research field but coming together because you've got that excitement in you so 
an idea or a, a proposition is put up, a question's put up, and we the idea is you attract people from all those different fields I mentioned before to come into the room, and then you just you know brainstorm about what are the different approaches you could do to solve that grand problem uh, or that particular challenge. And that challenge could be a, a major health problem, you know, delivering uh, health care to the outback in a portable, easily um, um, diagnosable format. Or it could be even something like developing the right structures for research and for communicating science uh, to the general community. So, I mean, the range of what you could be talking about and the problems you could be approaching can be quite uh, diverse. But it's very much this academic philanthropy in terms of the concepts of getting in there and just lending your brain to the process and seeing what comes out. So unleashing, I think, the seven-year-old in all of us who was always asking Dad what was this about, what was that about, or, or Mum, uh, for that matter. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it's, it's unleashing the child scientists that I think we all had with us, but we kind of lost over the years. We've got to claw that back and, and get that excitement back into our lives. Yeah. So it's about, it's about thinking about science in a different way, and not just science, thinking about global problems. This isn't just about science. This is about business. It's about English. It's about marketing. It's about law. It's about everything. In fact, the whole of the university can help answer these massive global problems that we all um, face. So I think it's, it's about coming at it from a different idea. As, as Jane said, it's not about this is the thing I've thought of, how can I get lots of people to help me solve it? It's about actually finding out from industry, from patients, from whoever, what do we need to solve? And how can we as a group put our skills together to solve that? So it's, it's coming from the other way, isn't it? So can I perhaps throw it out to the audience? Has anybody got an example of, of how they've done this sort of convergence sort of thinking before? Yeah. Do you want to come up and... Just so that you're on the microphone. Um, hi everyone, my name is Amanda. I'm a PhD student and um, I just recently came back from an event in Canberra at the Australian National University, which was a 24-hour French-Australian entrepreneurship challenge. And it was probably one of the most exciting things I've ever done throughout my PhD thus far and has just inspired me to look at um, my research and also um, my career in a different way. So the event gathered PhD students from all over Australia and um, we were allowed to introduce ourselves to each other and then we were put into teams. And these teams were formed of about six students per team um, who never met each other before, didn't know anything about each other and what we had to do was come up, find a problem and come up with a solution to it. And within those 24 hours, which meant no sleep, lots of caffeine, lots of sugar, we had to find a problem and create a startup that would address that problem. And um, I must say, it was a, a thrilling experience. Um, um, unbelievable. I can't describe how exciting um, this field of convergence is. So in the end, we ended up coming up with an idea that was um, not specific to any of our PhD research projects. So we all converged on this one idea. Um, and it just kind of shows exactly what they were talking about uh, just before saying how, you know, you're coming together to solve one pro problem that's not purely what you're invested in in your research. You're actually able to contribute your ideas to, to something global. And that's what we did. And we presented our um, pitch to a, a jury, which included... Um, Australia's chief scientist, Alan Finkel, which is pretty impressive, um, Nobel Prize laureate, uh, also um, the French ambassador to Australia and a few other really important industry people. Um, and at the end, we were announced, my team was announced the winners, which is really exciting. Um, but not just that, as a student, I guess it was exciting to, to yes, win the competition, but also it created this spark in my mind and it just realised, it showed me that as PhD students we came together and none of us had an investment in, it was purely our research idea, it was a collaborative effort. And so we kind of formed this common language and I guess I just want to say that as a PhD student it's made me think about an endless op options and opportunities as a PhD student to lead into my future career. So. Yeah. Right. Thanks very much. <laughs> Cheers. So, does anybody else want to? You may have noticed that we we already uh, we know Amanda, and Amanda's actually come across working with Jane. So, so don't know if I sit there going, they're going to ask me next. <laughs> it's all right. But does anybody else want to 
And feel free to say no. Okay, we'll carry on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so thank you very much, Amanda. Again, an amazing experience. And in fact, the Science on the Swan that happened recently, they had a whole bunch of school kids in there during that session doing a very similar exercise, not for 24 hours. They were just there for a day. But uh, again, amazing what these school kids were coming up with. A lot of them were doing amazing things with apps and all sorts of wonderful ideas. So it is about thinking outside the box. It's just about getting outside your comfort zone and just remembering why we all got into research and why we all got into into this academic uh, world of, of understanding and learning so it's really exciting and and i think everybody that's been involved with the biozone over the last couple of years has really got a huge amount of excitement out of doing this kind of work so okay so where do we go from here so what can we do if we want to do this kind of research so let me tell you a little bit about the bit about the biozone we uh, came together as a group because the deans of medicine, science and engineering uh, assembled a group of people they thought would be good to kickstart this sort of transdisciplinary, cross-disciplinary type of research across <coughs> the university. And we went on a, a, a management retreat and we went away to a, a hotel on um, Great Eastern Highway and very salubrious <laughs> and uh, off by the up by the airport and very very uh, we did get locked in and uh, and a group of people that have some of us knew each other but not not um, very well across the disciplines and from that experience we really realized the potential that we could actually bring to bear across the university and it was an absolutely amazing experience and we've been very philanthropic of, uh, we've been very um, evangelical about this ever since and telling it as many people as, as we can who will sit and listen. So thank you for all coming to sit and listen. And um, because it is an amazing, exciting way that we can move forward. And particularly with the current renewal process, it's an amazing opportunity to think about how we can end up with a structure that isn't just for new faculties, but is actually working across these faculties and are working together and doing amazing work. So we've come up with some ideas and these are progressing and I'd like to hand over to um, Jenny to just talk about some of the, the, the possibilities and the, the things we've got going in terms of training. Well thank you Kevin and uh, I think Amanda's illustrated really well that a great place to start is with our students and a number of people who have transdisciplinary multidisciplinary centres in their universities or their institutes put students at the core because the students bring the supervisors in to start building up a critical mass of people who think in this very generous way. So one of the key initiatives that we're starting up is a special program for trans transdisciplinary PhD students. It won't be for everybody. It's not that we're trying to transform all of the PhDs across UWA to be this transdisciplinary system. But what we're trying to do is set up a very small cohort initially that will go through a structured program. So the first year, they will have the opportunity not to immediately start focusing on their project, but rather to rotate amongst different labs across the university, for example, spending time in an engineering lab, maybe spending some time in business, in marketing, going on into uh, hopefully a neuroscience lab. So they get a little bit of a taste of everything. And then during that time, they'll also be exposed to things that maybe PhD students don't normally get to see. They might get uh, courses from industries, some commercialization, intellectual property, some, some sort of law information, so that they get a really broad idea of what's out there and what they can do. And we hope that by the end of that year, by interacting with this range of supervisors and their fellow students, because they will be in this cohort moving through together, they can start to think in this transdisciplinary way and see what problems they can solve with the skills that they're going to acquire. So at the end of that first structured year of the program, they'll be in a position to start a very focused project, but that has great, we hope, great impact and potential to draw information, expertise, skills and ideas from across the university to train those students then over the next three years. So we think that this training program is a great way to start it because it requires this transdisciplinary, trans-faculty collaboration to train students in a very different way. So that's probably one of our main initiatives for the uh, transdisciplinary approach. Fantastic. Um, Brenda, do you want to talk, touch on the, the masters that programs these? Well, yeah, we're in the myself and Tim and, and Barry Doyle as well are in the formative stages of um, of putting forward a, a masters of biomedical engineering. So there isn't actually a, a central location or or a course for biomedical engineers at the moment. So, um, but there's a great desire for it. So uh, we're 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 in the next semester going to have a, an elective unit within the existing structure in engineering in biomedical engineering, which has had a great. Um, uptake so far, there's about 60 students enrolled um, and we're hoping to progress that 
relatively quickly uh, through to a, um, a, a Master's of Professional Engineering specialization in Biomedical Engineering. So hopefully that will feed um, into various aspects of, um, of the biozone. It might, you know, seed some of the people who will take on the PhD program or people who are interested in commercialization. There's various initiatives, Spark and, and others around the place where we're actually hoping to, to feed into that as well. So hopefully it'll be just one way that um, of plugging into this greater network and this greater initiative that's ongoing. Now, I guess um, both of these training programs, although they're focused on students, actually we've got um, agendas that extend beyond the, the students, I guess, as a result of those programs. And to be a successful supervisor of a transdisciplinary uh, PhD student, you are actually going to need to develop breadth and depth to that breadth in terms of your knowledge and skills. So I think uh, just behind the scenes, we're looking at what we can do to develop that culture amongst the supervisors and to equip our transdisciplinary PhD supervisors with those skills. So some of us already naturally develop some breadth in terms of two disciplines, but what we can do to actually allow us to, um, to develop that common language, I guess. Uh, as, as at the supervisory level. And then similarly, if you're Masters of Biomedical Engineering, you're looking at, uh, as you expand that, expanding it out to bring in people from the different sciences to, to talk into that about potential applications Absolutely. and get people working. So although Masters of Biomedical Engineering sounds very non-convergent, actually it's, it's a wonderful place to start because of potential applications um, into many, many different fields, I think. But I think yeah, it's about training engineers to look in that direction as much as anything. So, um, so that they're they're kind of open to the possibilities that um, transdisciplinary research um, offers. But the consequence of that is that you'll also train people to be open and receptive Absolutely. to having people from other uh, other disciplines coming into your your area to look at improvements. Absolutely, and to expand on that in terms of mentorship. Uh, I'm um, chair of the mentoring committee at the Perkins and Lenny Fitzgerald is running the mentoring program in science and we've already combined that uh, so that we're actually trying to develop mentorship across the university and we're very happy to talk to other groups, other faculties about expanding that further because I think in terms of mentorship, if we can get mentors from other specialities and disciplines to get a different perspective on what our research is and what we're doing and ways that we can progress going forward I think that's an amazing insight that we can get across the university another way we can connect so so we're developing these concepts in terms of training PhDs masters mentoring the wider uh, community we're also feeding into to other groups as a reference group uh, across the university so we're trying to to help people think in a different way and uh, do so in a way that sort of helps everybody else that is trying to do this because there's a lot of initiatives at the moment um, we'll talk about uh, so you know AIQ is a fabulous example um, there's Spark there's Ignition there's the Centre for Entrepreneurial Research Innovation which is the building that you you may or may not have seen on Stirling Highway that are opposite uh, TQR near the AMA building there's a lot of things happening there's a W Health Translation Network we have an innovation agenda now that the government has announced and suddenly um, everybody's talking about innovation and we can have another session about what innovation is and we, we probably already had that. So, so there's a lot happening in this space and a, a lot of people getting really excited about it. And one thing that the Biozone is trying to do is actually bring all that together and I'll, I'll touch on that um, in a, a little bit as well. So how are we doing for time? Doing okay. So can I just at this point just say to you, uh, so who's got a red... Um, paddle pop. Put put up your red paddle pop. All right, nice and high, so I can see them. Don't be shy. All right, fantastic. Okay, who's got a green one? Okay, and a yellow one. And what was the other colour? Blue. Blue. Okay. And we've got some more people grabbing them as we speak. Okay, so. The reason we've done that is just to illustrate that normally we all break up into those four divisions, those four faculties, they may well end up being, and when we separate ourselves out, and actually it's nice to see that you've actually spread out quite nicely, you're not all sitting in groups. I was half expecting there to be a yellow group over there and a blue group there, and a, but you've all actually spread out a bit, which is fantastic to see. So you're all starting to think in a conversion way, so that's brilliant to see. So my challenge to you, and our challenge to you, is when we start networking at the end of this session, 
I want you to go around and make sure that you have a really good conversation with somebody with a different colour of each of those. So that's a, an icebreaker for you. You've got an excuse now to go up to anybody in the room who's got a different colour and, and start talking to them. So uh, that's my challenge. So well done for, for splitting up and not staying in the cliques and uh, fantastic. All right, so in terms of the network and the ecosystem, I mean, I think this is really important. I've, we've had meetings with the chief scientists. We've had meetings with John Chalice, who's heading up WA Health Translation Network. Lots of conversation with lots of people around town. And I think, as I said, there's so much exciting uh, work happening. One thing we, we're talking about and we're talking with Joe about is, is starting to map this ecosystem, starting to work out where people are, what they're doing, what initiatives they've got going, and how we can actually bring everybody together. And I think it's important at multiple levels. It's important uh, for, the, for the government industry engagement. And there's a, an innovation summit coming up soon where 200 people have been asked <coughs> to go along and spend a day in a hotel and hopefully work out how innovation uh, gets to, to work in WA for the next five years, I think, is it? So uh, we'll see how that goes. But getting this ecosystem going and actually working out how we can work better with industry, how we can work better with government, how we can tap into all of these resources and, and all integrate and work together. So anyone want to pick up on, on the, the network and, and uh, how we should get going with that? Because I think, I think it's critically important that that happens. And one of the things we're doing, we're setting up a website, and the IQ website has this as well, where you've, I see you've got links to different initiatives that are happening. And I think it's not about having one hub where everybody has to go to to then work out what everyone else is doing. I think it's about having multiple hubs, and IQ can be one, and Biozone will be another. And we'll be launching our website um, very soon. End of next week. End of next week. So what I would suggest to, to Joe, if anybody's interested in the Biozone, Go through Joe's channels with the meetup links and everything, and then we'll let we'll keep feeding Joe information uh, and and let you know through those channels about how it's all coming together. Because we're getting the, the website up and running, and we're we're using that to sort of try and start mapping out this ecosystem. And I'm sure you're you're doing similar things than you are on your website. So it's about trying to bring everybody together. And um, Peter Clink, the chief scientist, agreed to have a an event at some point to to also help this networking. So. Um, it's about trying to all, all interconnect and and, uh, and feed into this. So, does anybody want to raise more, or we can then open it out to some questions? Yeah. Well, maybe. I guess so. just to, to take it further, uh, there are obviously going to be some steps to that process because it's not going to happen yes. just suddenly. No. Uh, and so we're, we've sort of been working uh, behind the scenes a bit, I guess, over the last few years. But the time oh. is right now for us to expand it, and we we've got a lot of people that uh, we want to bring into the, the, the process, I guess, and um, we can get into talking what is a biozoner, and I guess, uh, you know, really fundamental to that is a, a preparedness to give and to get involved and not to come to it for personal, immediate personal gain, but for the greater good. But um, also just uh, an intuitive need and excitement by being involved in, in some uh, transdisciplinary science, I guess, or approaches. So... Doing that here, I guess we can develop a convergent network across w, uh, UWA, but I think that that is also then becoming a bit restrictive. And if we look over east, we've already got uh, Convergent Science Australia or something, I think, which is actually centred at University of Melbourne. In fact, when I applied to them, they said, actually, we're just a University of Melbourne event. And I thought, that's odd, because you're calling yourself a convergent Australian Convergent Science Network. Um, but there's a, you know, I also see there's a convergent science group at Monash which is focusing down on a particular thing. I, I think we need a network again in WA and, and ultimately that these various networks around Australia can link up. But uh, you know, looking at what we can do to hold some regular events, uh, get keynote speakers in, get it sponsored by industry, philanthropy, the government to actually uh, get this up and running and, and that you have a monthly event or, or even just a quarterly event to start off with. Getting the conversations going, uh, because out of the conversations we will get grant funding, but we will also get some really, really big idea um, funding happening and not necessarily confined to our traditional grant funding schemes, I think, and, and a result of that really seeing some changes in culture. And I think so it's, it's about how, how we can get that network going to, to stimulate that change in culture and change in, in thinking about the way we go 
uh, doing things. So I, I guess I'm interested in knowing how many people would go along to a quarterly event, you know, if we did organise it. Would you be interested in meeting with people from science industry, philanthropy, all together in one room, and people from Murdoch and Curtin and Edith Cowan and um, or the community uh, who are interested in things? We'd have to have those events focused on on ideas that have got general enough appeal, but uh, would need support. I he see heads nodding. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's great to see um, people here from the Office of Research Enterprise and, and IQ. Obviously, this is an IQ event, and, and it's about using all of those structures as well. I mean, this is we're not talking about setting up a new structure. This is We're actually talking about bringing together all the structures and all the wonderful things that other people are doing and actually just facilitating those. So I think uh, that's an absolutely great point, and, and working with the office, working with IQ, and and holding joint events as, as well and, and getting everything going and working with the Centre for Entrepreneurial Research Innovation and Spark and others and let's, let's just keep that interest, that innovation and that uh, momentum going. So, To some extent many of these things could be part of the, the bigger whole if yeah. you like, you know, that you can still retain all your own individual entities and the universities need you to do that for the internal agendas mm -hmm. but the, I can't see this overarching network that I'd really love to see established that will bring everyone together on an even platform. Yeah. I just want to ask some questions like, are there potentially hundreds of hypotheses that can be tested? How do you evaluate which ones get tested first, especially due to the amount of funding available and time and you know, other researchers? I think that's a fabulous question. And I think the starting point is bringing those questions to the fore, actually working out what are, the, are those questions, and then it, and then it's um, running a test against them about what expertise is around that we can bring to bear on it. Is it is it something that we can actually address? Do we have the expertise to do so? Uh, what is the funding environment? Uh, what is the industry appetite for it? The need. Um, so it's it's having a really good look at all of the things that you need to look at, and then I suppose making a judgment. And the other thing as well is. This, this way of thinking doesn't have to be just a group. So I'm not suggesting that there's a group of 11 of us that suddenly we address every problem there is. Not at all. It's about if, if somebody raises a question, uh, an important problem that needs to be raised, how can we actually use our networks and everyone's networks to find the best people and actually get that going? So, Brendan... I think that's a great question because, uh, and, but I think it's very well suited to the convergent approach because if you start at the, the big problem you're trying to address, then you can survey all of the, the potential solutions. I think a danger that uh, what happens in many instances at the moment is that people have their niche areas, they have the techniques or the technologies that they've always developed and they're, and they, they're kind of blinkered to just that approach to try and answer question but it's not necessarily the right approach so I think if it's done correctly the convergent approach allows you to, to first of all calmly kind of survey the potential solutions to the big problem and to implement the correct one in this transdisciplinary approach so not only with engineers scientists but also artists lawyers all the people of the, in the scientific community and beyond who can you know bring their knowledge to bear I think it's also not about testing a, a, a hypothesis and I think that, that's kind of coming at it from the other direction. It means I've got an idea and I want to find people to help me solve it. Um, it it's, you could, as a result of this process, have multiple different hypotheses that are being tested as you work together to find what is the global and holistic solution to the problem. Uh, so that, you know, and the, and the funding environments that fund the bigger solution may actually be many and varied. You may have some from traditional government sources, it may be industry, it may be philanthropy, or a combination of all of the above and, and crowdfunding that actually sources or, or, or uh, funds the, the overall project per se. Uh, but yeah, if we go, you know, if you come to the, to the network and say, I've got a hypothesis, I want to solve it, it's, it's actually not quite the way that the research needs to be done. It's about posing this is the problem and then asking everybody what are the hypotheses that we could generate to, to solve it and to investigate the problem. I, th I think another point as well is that everyone loves matched or leveraged funding. So if you can get industry excited about this, then you can leverage that funding to get a grant. And then 
the government might come on board because they can then match that to federal funding at, at the state level. Or so you start you start talking in terms of these bigger pictures, but but actually being able to demonstrate you have the expertise to address it, you can actually really start leveraging multiple um, sources of funding. So I think, and I, and it's about making sure you again you have the expertise and and in terms of. Uh, the university, and I've had some input into the, the business development in the renewal process, it's it's about, from the university's perspective, thinking about what are the questions from that industry have, thinking of it from their point of view, and how, as a university, we can actually build a, a, a capability statement to address that. So we shouldn't be expecting industry to come to UWA and hunt around for the 20 experts they need to solve a problem. It should be a case of the industry can say, okay, we've got this problem, and we as a university can assemble that group of people to, to actually build the capability. And in fact, it may just not, it's probably beyond UWA. It's probably UWA in collaboration with Murdoch and other universities and industry partners and tax accountants and patent lawyers and a whole group of people. So I'd love to see this expand beyond UWA, although it's, it's, it's UWA. And if we're, if we're talking about answering the big questions, we're not going to answer them only, or, or we're not going to change people's lives within the confines of a university. So bringing in industry and, and, and everything else that's associated with that is critical, I think. But beyond that, even, even so I want to add the community perspective in. And community has been a, one of our five fundamental pillars with, that we've built within the, the biozone, but, or built into the biozone, but uh, philosophy. But uh, that through our engagement with community and in involvement with them in the whole network process, I think we have a wonderful opportunity to actually get them engaged with science. And uh, we had a recent think tank in the city just a couple of weeks ago where we were talking about the um, dire uh, outlook, I guess, for our PhD students and postdocs into the future. And the, the problem that we may face with losing a lot of these people from science and what can we do to engage them and to retain their minds and, and their um, involvement. And part of the solution that came out of that evening or pa partial solutions came out of the evening was the need that we have to engage the community a lot more in what we do because the community is really happy to fund sports uh, stars because they love sitting in front of them and watching them on TV or the, the movie or whatever but actually scientists as a group don't or you know the, the broader academic as a group doesn't really engage the community but if we get community on our sides it's much more likely that the funding schemes and, and uh, so on will arise out of that so I think involving community in the network is also really really important so we need to be doing research that matters um, and uh, we also need to convey and communicate what we're doing to people in, in a, a lay language that people understand. Any other questions? Have you already got a plan to set up the uh, organise? How are we going to vote? Sorry, Tits. Have you already got a planning committee set up to go forward? Have yes, yes. So we have a steering committee of 11 right. that are across uh, the three um, faculties at the moment, but actually we're expanding that beyond the three. We've got a meeting with the business school coming up, and the business school are actually really enthusiastic about this whole enterprise, and we have uh, a meeting with the, the dean, deputy dean, and general manager, and everybody in the business school coming up uh, in a couple of weeks' time. So we're really trying to now, at this stage, bring in the whole university, um, bring in um, the Office of Research Enterprise, bring in uh, development, bring in people from, from uh, English and Cultural Studies, and actually really expand uh, the group, um, but we have a, absolutely have a core of 11 uh, steering uh, what we're doing at the moment. Yep. Having said that, I think we, we could see or envisage that that um, is not a stationary group and that it will evolve over time and we're very keen to hear from people who've got uh, you know a burning ambition to be part of this whole process because uh, you know I think we want to embrace that as much as possible and, and we will also, uh, the steering group arose out of our initial group and people have been working together now for a couple of years with a very uh, unified goal. But uh, the, there are gaps in the in the group. You know, we're working to address those gaps now to make sure that we've got sufficient expertise within it. But uh, yeah, look, really keen to hear from people that, who who are keen to be involved. Anybody else? I've, I've got a question. Yeah, actually, yeah. 
Um, so, because this is very exciting, and it's funny when I met with um, the Biozone a few weeks ago, one thing that Jane said, she said, "My brain's on fire," and I've heard a few times you saying, "You know, it's excitement, it's you know, it's exhilarating," and I, I love that. And so, um, I'm convinced. I'm convinced is what I want to say. But it, say I want to get involved. Um, what, what does that actually look like? So, and, and how do you? And I know you were talking before about about actually setting those um, or identifying those problems. So. Yeah, how, what, what, how do I get involved? And secondly, what will that involvement look like? That's an excellent question. So um, as I said, we are setting up this website. It's something we're acutely aware of is how do we, uh, in fact, we've actually approached the, the marketing side of UWA to help us. How do we market ourselves? And in fact, their advice to us was not be so nervous about how do we launch, and, but actually just get out there. You know, the world is all about beast testing now get out there, tell people about what you do, and, and actually start the conversation. Here we are. So, um, so yes, I think... Um, I think another approach, that as the PhD program comes into existence, we hope it'll start next year. At that point, the students will start to circulate across the university, and I think it will naturally start to draw in people from a lot of different faculties. So I think there's a certain amount of active outreach that we will be doing and people coming to us, but also the students, and just by the nature of the programs, the research projects that, for example, Brendan mentioned, and, and Jane's wide, you know, translational approaches, we will start to naturally just recruit people. And I'm sure that, I certainly hope, you'll be hearing more about us as, as we move our programs forward and people join in. Absolutely. Potentially in the very near future, because uh, you know, mm. one, one way that we may launch mm. the PhD program, if I can Please. make yeah, a yeah. suggestion, is perhaps do something very similar to what Amanda just experienced in, in Canberra. Actually put out an advertisement for our brightest minds at UWA or the, those who are most interested in this kind of approach who are thinking about doing a PhD to come and get involved in a convergent event and uh, and putting something on for our current honours students that might be a 24-hour event that, and we may be calling on some of you then to come and help us run that event you know so if you're interested in doing something or mentoring some students through uh, you know an event that Amanda described uh, being part of it maybe as a student maybe that's a really great place that we can start doing some wider involvement of it. Mm. So we're open to ideas as well, I guess, you know. So. But in, in, in the short term, um, send an email to Joe and uh, or use the Meetup um, social media setup that you've got. Off. What's it called again, Joe? Yeah, it's, uh, it's Meetup slash UWA Innovation. And okay. I'll email all of you with um, the new website URL for the, for the Biozone and yep. also a link to this podcast so you can um, listen to it again and you can forward it to friends or colleagues as well who, who couldn't be here today. Yeah, so, so that, that'll be the initial link. So if you're interested, that's the way to, to get your, your voice heard initially. And then, uh, as, as we've said, that there'll be more and more events coming out and uh, more initiatives, and we'll, hopefully you'll hear more about us uh, through that. But uh, it's sort of, I think it's a soft launch, they call it in the, in, the, in the marketing business. So we're learning all the time. So any other questions? Well, what does it sound like to you? Because we've been saying what, what, we're, what we've been doing, what we think about it, but how does it, what, what's the feedback, I mean, maybe from students, for example, or postdocs? I mean, does it sound exciting? Does it sound like something you'd like to be engaged in? Or Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it just sounds like something I've been wanting to get involved with uh, for quite a few years. So awesome. kind of the thing, it sounds like, what I originally got in science for was for those kind of big ideas, big collaborations. So, great. I think it's a good idea. Excellent. Excellent. Fantastic. I'm still not entirely sure what it means to be involved. Like, I know you mm -hmm. were talking about um, volunteering to help run a So it, it's it's about a culture. So it's really difficult to nut down, I guess, is what we're saying because it, it's a it's a culture shift. It's a way of doing things uh, that we're trying to get across as much as anything. So um, it may involve networking, coming to networking events. You know, we've talked about setting up a genius bar, for example, where people just merge and talk and see what comes out of it. Uh, it may be organised, uh, uh, coming to organised networking events where we put up a grand challenge and come and be part of the process and just see where it takes you. Maybe a challenge that 
um, really appeals to you, that you really want to be a part of. It may be a challenge that you come to with absolutely no idea that you've got any contribution to and suddenly you find your centre stage because you've come up with a really bright idea. So it's about um, just putting yourself out there, I think. So being involved is about putting yourself out there and immersing yourself in the culture and being surprised by what comes out of it. I mean, I think Joe talked about brain on fire and we've talked about the academic philanthropy. So, you know, there's, there is a concept of giving of yourself to the greater good without an expectation that you yourself will personally gain out of this. It may or it may not help you get your next fellowship. But... Um, At least we'll have fun when we're doing it. You still have a lot of fun while you're doing it. You meet some awesome people. You get some amazing ideas from absolutely left field that may well enhance your own research. And suddenly you find yourself giving to other people's research. Um, and it really, it is brain on fire. I mean, it, it's, it's what I was looking for 20 years ago. I just didn't know how to make it happen. And I think if we can make it happen... Uh, and get that excitement back into lives. I mean, it gives you a reason to get out of bed in the morning. You, you come to work, you know that you're going to be doing your stock standard research stuff that you have to do and your admin stuff and all the rest of it. But on top of that, you're thinking at multiple different levels. And I personally get a huge amount of that and out of that, and I'm mm, sure you mm. guys do as well. So it's just trying to find time to fit all those compartments in. But, but it's exciting. Yeah. But I think as well, it's not like a... I don't think it's like a kind of a this is what we do this is how you can participate it's more if this sounds like the kind of thing that you that's exciting if it's in teaching or research or whatever it is then that that's all it really takes and then i think it's in many ways a network that facilitates you doing what you want to do in this kind of context um, we started like that we were basically just people thrown together in a room and then out of yeah. that group emerged you know the the research projects the network ideas the phd program the biomedical engineering and we've all gone off and helped build these things and this is only the beginning, so we'd yeah. like to think that more people come in and we'll trigger more ideas. And, and, I, th yeah, yeah. and I think purposely it's good not to have it too structured, because then it's just another entity, you know? Whereas if it's just helping people do what, what drives them and what motivates them uh, in this kind of sphere of, of transdisciplinary research, I think that'll get the most benefit and it's the most kind of liberating kind of w experience for researchers that, you know, you, you can imagine. So. We, we haven't actually really talked about the five arms of Biozone at all, but... It, I mean, we, we can talk about that to some extent in terms of... Jenny, do you want to lead that? Because you probably Ooh, talk... I mean, I, 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 can, I can get them through, but, but it's, except, 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 exceptional research. It was about training our workforce of the future to think in a different way and culture change. It was about involving community in the bigger, broader discussion and, and grand challenge type events. We had a pipeline, pipeline. drug discovery translational pipeline and yep. that was and, the, and then it was kickstarting the biotech revolution so it's this concept that that we're we're talking about training we're talking about research we're talking about innovation and we're, we're getting all of that going and, and facilitating everything and and if you want to know more about how to do this there's start something that uiq and joe can tell you all about that there's uh, Siri, the Centre for Entrepreneurial Research and Innovation is, is kicking off soon. There's Spark. There's initiatives coming out of the Office of Research and, uh, Enterprise. There's lots happening. So if this kind of thing excites you, it may not be a biozone thing you come to, but it may be one of these other things. And we and if you come to us, we can help you find those yeah. other things. But we're not, as Brendan was saying, we're not setting ourselves up as another entity that's trying to do all of this we're actually trying to help everybody else who's trying to do all of this and and we'll send you in the right direction and often that's going to simon or, or anthony or, or you know one of the people that are already here and simon if you want to pick up on this go for it <laughs> <laughs> and, and about getting that uh, culture change going i mean because yeah. if you can get that culture change going and you pick up on it then you can become, you know, a proponent of, of biosome and convergent science. Yeah. I was listening to the discussion earlier on. I was trying to think ahead to what a success might look for for biosome. And as, as I was hearing about bringing lots of people together, tackling big problems, clearly there's got to be some funding coming in from somewhere to, you know, give someone a, a team a chance at uh, finding some answers. And as I, as I was listening to you all, I was thinking that uh, particularly things like enough of a research idea with enough of a capacity to become uh, something like a CRC project, 
something like a CRC program in time. Is that the sort of things that you think Biozone has ambitions for? We started to develop those ideas and build up that sort of team, so yes, absolutely. But it's okay. not the only thing. It's no, one aspect. Of yeah, I think it's multi kind of facet because I think you can your existing NHMRC project grants or discovery grants could be written in again in the context of a broader initiative. So I, I don't think uh, I think in some ways it'll be just doing the same things differently, and in other, other ways looking at big uh, centres and things like that as well. Yeah, I think you're going to have to, aren't you? To well, we, we we did just put in a three and a half million dollar training centre, which unfortunately the didn't ITTC, get yeah. didn't get funded, but uh, but that. You know, those sort of applications will be go. Certainly CRCs and, and the like are options for us. But I think if we limit ourselves to the government funding avenues, we are immediately li limiting. And we, we were doing all of this. And then as part of that, we're talking to the development office and they said, well, we can go and get you 10 million for this. And it was like, oh, OK, so I can get a thousand for, you know, a hundred thousand from the NH and MRC or whatever, or I could go for the 10 million. And, and so I think that it will open up <laughs> Yeah. Um, so success, I think, yes, we we want to see for the university that we increase the research funding, government research funding that comes into WA, and we certainly would see that as a success at Biozone, but if a success stops there, I think we've failed to really do what we're trying to achieve, which is bringing in, uh, you know, the, the philanthropic uh, donations that actually will be game changers because of uh, the, the money, and, and by integrating the biotech revolution component into it, we're actually going to get the um, investment um, folk uh, in on it as well. And, and that's where the big dollars will come in, because they actually see an opportunity to develop something, they'll come in and be part of it. Um, and I think that, that we, we could go from there. The other big thing that I guess we didn't quite touch on explicitly is impact. So the idea is that this way of doing it has a much bigger impact. And it may not be a publication impact. It's probably going to be much more important than publication impact. It's going to be community impact. It's going to be um, impact in the way people do things in industry, which in the coming ERA rounds is going to be hugely critical. Yeah. So it's, I think, yes, we need to have successes, whatever that is, but I think one of our key successes in the future is actually going to be important, and not, not necessarily in the traditional metrics that we used at the moment. Do you want to introduce Tim? Yeah, I absolutely. Do you want to introduce Tim? Tim? Yeah, so Tim Circum, everybody, is on the buy zone as well. <laughs> and the rest, fifth everyone else is encouraging me to uh, call him out. So there you go, <laughs> just to embarrass Tim. Um, so I think, so just to touch on the, the training centre, we, we, we had a, a training centre bid that went in with 23 different um, partner investigators, I think probably 16 organisations, a massive team, uh, and that was five biotechs, that was patent attorneys, um, tax accountants, a synchrotron, hospitals, you know, a huge network of people. And, and even though they didn't get up, that's actually built an amazing network and all of the people involved are really keen to, to continue that on. And, and in fact, um, we, we, we put that bid, on, bid in on the basis of a, uh, the training program that we put together anyway. And suddenly we thought, actually, we could see if we can get ARC to fund that. Unfortunately, they're not, but we, we're going to do it anyway. So I think the, the take home is, these things are so important and so fantastic that even if we don't get the funding, we, we're going to do it anyway. And um, there's multiple ways of getting funding. There's multiple ways of getting industry engagement and industry funding. And in fact, often there are a lot of industry funding schemes that as long as you can get match funding uh, are often lower bar than, than, uh, than the 10% success rate we're going to now see with NHMRC. So um, any, anybody else? Now Simon's joined our panel. <laughs> yeah, anything. I mean, I should maybe introduce myself. Simon Hanford, the Office of Research Enterprise. We handle intellectual property commercialisation opportunities um, for when you all have your great idea from your PhD project or your research. And uh, my colleague Tom is at the back there, looks after a lot of the engineering projects around campus. Another colleague, Anthony, over there. Keeps us uh, on track. <laughs> <laughs> He's not putting his hand up. <laughs> very quiet but one of the points that I would like to make is that in any in any um, organizational environment it's it's the number of bump opportunities that you try to create or foster 
and the more bump opportunities you have that are that are cross-disciplinary, transdisciplinary, the more opportunities you have to discuss your science, your research with someone else who has a different view, the more likely you are to to have that sort of brain um, brain snap or brain you know when your brain catches fire and you see the you see the opportunities. Um, we've uh, launched something called um, Plan on a Page, uh, which is very very important to help people uh, articulate their ideas, their research ideas, and uh, it's amazing to see uh, a medico talking to an engineer trying to articulate what their research is about, and the engineer saying, "So that's what you you know, this is how it works, and that's how it works," and the person goes, "Yeah, you're right. That's you know," and they hadn't quite quite thought of it like that, so it's. I think that's one of the things that, that um, with the biozone, I see great, great opportunity is in just sharing these these different ideas. I'm, I'm going to um, ask Rafaela de Lacca to see if he's got any comments. So Rafaela is a RAIN visiting professor at the moment. Uh, he's working with me in anatomy, but he's a biomedical engineer. So, um, But uh, also a long history of working with doctors and scientists and engineers and doing setting up your own startup company. So, Rafael, I don't know if you want to have any comments of your experiences of similar environments around the world that you've come into. Yeah, I think that uh, I'm from a biomedical engineer department, which is a, a sort of a small experiment of a multidisciplinary environment because uh, as biomedical engineers we have uh, engineering people with a strong background in physics, electronics, ICT, chemistry and mechanics and so on. And uh, what I can report is uh, that for example uh, in our master, de master degree of uh, biomedical engineering most of uh, uh, our students are uh, now getting very uh, good position in the market uh, even in fields which are very different for the biomedical engineering. Because what is really appreciated by uh, our uh, companies and the environment is the capability of uh, these engineers to, uh, up, to uh, have a multidisciplinary approach and so to coordinate team with people with different backgrounds and so on. Something that for, uh, let's say, usual common engineers is very, very difficult. So this is just to report uh, a small experience that was very, very successful uh, for us. Now, a uh, medical engineering degree in uh, my university, which is an uh, engineering-only university, so it's uh, just for uh, engineering and architecture. Uh, we started with uh, a very small group of, of students, and now it is the second most uh, um, uh, big uh, degree we have in our university with uh, more than 500 people uh, starting this uh, uh, degree this year. So not all of those are then working in the biomedical engineering field, but uh, is, uh, our engineers, biomedical engineers, are really appreciated for their and their ability to speak a common language with people from medicine or science or uh, industry, I guess. Yeah. I think that's an incredibly important point. I mean, as a university, we're training people for the workforce. And, and I'm hearing that from the industry side, that they want to see people with this way of thinking. Because as you say, it makes them so much more employable. So not only is it giving us more impact in terms of researchers, it's actually um, resulting in better students that we're graduating. So I think there's a huge win for everybody here. And it's not about becoming a jack of all trades. It's not about you know, not being experts. We, we still need to be experts, but we also need to appreciate other expertise. And I think that's a big part of it. It's not about becoming an expert in everything because there's just not enough hours in the day. But as long as we're expert in our field and we appreciate and understand some of the language from the other fields, then we're going to advance uh, much more. So unless there's any other comments, we are at three o'clock. So um, got some, 30 seconds yeah. to give Oz Biotech a plug. Um, Oz Biotech is the national um, organisation that supports and um, uh, encourages biotechnology industries and engagement with industry. Um, UWI has a corporate membership. If anybody uh, here would like to be listed on UWI's corporate membership, come and let me know or get in touch through 
Joe or through the Office of Research Enterprise. They hold a great series of events every year, um, some of which includes free beer up at one of the patent agents. So buy a beers, I think the next one is middle of August, if anybody would like to come along. Great networking, as usual. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, thank you so much um, to the buy zone and, and yeah, thanks, Simon, as well <laughs> for, um, for, for, you know, supporting as well. And uh, yeah, what a great, I mean, I, I knew this was going to be one of my kind of favourite sessions and it really was um, absolutely fantastic. And I feel kind of quite energised um, as well, actually. And I always do after talking to these guys. Um, we're going to give them a very a small gift, a new uh, public publication from UWA, UWA Press. It's called Perth, A Guide for the Curious. And it's a great great little title and it kind of epitomizes that sense of curiosity and adventure I think uh, that the biozone epitomizes so uh, yeah let's give them a hand thank you so much it's terrific thank you.